Um, we have been in the Sermon on the Mount, going to continue that on, Matthew chapter 6. Justin kind of stole my thunder a little bit on his uh, offering this morning. It was good. It was good. I like it when we kind of tie things together. He said he was teaching the youth this morning out of Matthew chapter 6. But if you don't mind, we've been talking about worry, and we're going to dive right in. And I know y'all just sat down. Have y'all been standing up a long time? But stand back up for the reading of God's Word. This is Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Y'all read along with me. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Verse 26. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather in the barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to its stature? I need some help back there, guys. Next slide. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Verse 30. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field which is today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Verse 32. For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Verse 34. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Father, in Jesus' name, we just come under your authority, we come under your word, we come under your spirit. And Lord, we acknowledge our great need of you and how much we need your word to be in our life. Lord, let us accept it today, and Lord, let us walk in it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Kind of a lengthy passage, but didn't want to leave anything out this morning. We are talking about anxiety. Anybody battle anxiety? We all do. We all do. And this is specifically talking about anxiety when it comes to provision. Anxiety when it comes to your finances, when it comes to your food, when it comes to what you're putting on the table, when it comes to the, your need. How many of you know we are worried out of what we need, what we need to come through, what breakthrough we need, what we need in relationships, what we need in marriage, what we need in jobs? We have need. And out of that need, if we do not seek after the right things, worry will sneak in. Amen? And this is talking about uh, learning how to walk through life with all these challenges. We are going to have financial challenges. We are going to have relational challenges. Storms are going to come. We have never been free of storms. Storms are going to come. God says the storms are going to come, but I'm going to help you through those storms if we will let him. He is there with us in the storm, and I want you to know the storm has to submit to God. God is in control of it all. When we don't realize that, we worry. And the scripture is saying, what will worry add anything to it? 
verse 25. Therefore, everybody say therefore. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. This word therefore in verse 25 is now referring us back to the previous verses, verses 19 through 24. Do you remember what those verses are? Talking about storing up heavenly treasures. Talking about pursuing after light and not darkness. And talking about making sure that God is your primary master, not money. We've just come out of that. After he has taught us those lessons, then he says, Therefore, now that you're walking in this way, 19 through 24, verse 25, now that you're walking, don't worry. Don't worry, because if you do the previous step, the next step will come. If we do the previous step, the next step will come. Therefore, because you're walking with me, no longer do you have to worry. Therefore is the key word, and you know he says it six times. Don't worry. Everybody say, don't worry. Can I tell you, that's a word for you. Don't worry. It ruins relationships. It ruins your health. It ruins your spiritual life. It doesn't help anything. So why do it? Fear and anxiety gets into relationships. And you know when that happens, we start talking different. We start acting different. We start processing different. How many of you know that when you're afraid, when you've got fear, when you've got worry, that your ability to process things in reality is hard? It's because worry needs to be gone. Doctors have said that if we could remove worry, we would get healthier. We wouldn't be as stressed. And our relationships would be in better shape. So here's the point. When he says, therefore, what he is saying is that the only way we're going to be equipped emotionally to overcome the dominion of worry... Because worry can take dominion over your life. You know what that means? Take control. Lead you. Worry can lead you. And the only way to not allow worry to have dominion over your life, the only way you'll get free is not just coming here and hearing a message saying that God is good. Now, I want you to know God is good. And you need that message. But what you now have to do is you have to apply the message to your life. When you apply the message, when you start moving in God's way, fear gets forced out. But we have a part. It is literally making God the primary master of your life. You can say it. You can believe it. But until you do it, you don't see the fruit from it. I can say this seed will grow corn. And it would. It says it on the box. It tells me how to do it. gives me the instructions. And man, I love corn. I can't wait to have my corn. But I can pray and pray and pray all day. As long as that seed stays in that pouch, I'm not getting corn. But the Word says it will bring corn. The instructions. If you do this, you'll get corn. I have to tear that open, find good ground. I could try to plant it in the stage, but it wouldn't come up. I could pray over it and I could dance and I could sing, but it wouldn't come up. I got to put it in the right ground and get it in the ground. I have a part to play. Do you have a part to play? Two of you. Two of you are going to get corn. 
the rest of us are probably going to blame God that we didn't get corn. Somebody else's fault. God says, whoa, 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 whoa. It's nobody else's fault. I've told you how to get corn. Go plant your corn. Can I tell you, go plant your corn. Make a change. Four reasons to resist anxiety. Four reasons to strengthen us so that we will not yield to this devastating, life-destroying mindset that is so common called worry. Number one, and I'm only going to, there's four of them, but I'm going to get to one of them today and three of them the next time. But listen to me, church. We are valuable to God. It's easy to just nod your head, but can you recognize we are valuable? We mean something. We have value to God. Reason number one, we are more valuable to God than the rest of creation. Now, Jesus reasons from the lesser to the greater, meaning that if he will care for the lesser things, like the birds and the flowers of the field, if he'll care for the lesser things, then it's only logical to think that he will care for us. And he is not requiring us to use logic. He literally says, if I provide for the birds, won't I provide for you? But he's trying to come down to earth to our level so that we can understand that God is a provider. And he wants to provide for you. And the devil is there to really stir this up in our imagination and to start believing a lie that he won't provide. There's something wrong with me that God won't provide. No, let me tell you, you were created by God. And God is here to provide for you. We have just missed it somewhere. And that's why Jesus gave us the Sermon on the Mount, so that we wouldn't miss it. He gave us two illustrations. The first are the birds of the air. The second is the flowers of the field. But the premise is that God gave humans, you and me, he gave Adam and Eve dominion over creation back in Genesis chapter 1. And it means that we have a role and a partnership with God in bringing forth God's purposes in the earth. We have a part to play. Everybody say amen. We have a part to play. We have been given dominion over creation. That means that there are natural means that God requires for us to employ while he blesses us in the overall miracle of creation. For instance, if the farmer doesn't plant the seed, God won't plant it for him. That's our job. God will cause the miracle of the seed to grow, but the farmer has to plant the seed. The farmer has to pull out the weeds. God won't pull out the weeds. I hate picking weeds. I hate it. Amen. Amen. Justin has worked for me, and so has Zach at the car wash, and we pick weeds out there. We can pray over them all day long, but for some reason the weeds keep coming. Lord, we just lay hands on this flower bed, and we just proclaim no weeds in Jesus' name. But the Lord says, wait a minute, I've given you a way to get rid of those weeds. Go pick them. You have dominion over those. You're strong enough to kill them. You can go get weed killer. But I've given you the tools to get rid of those weeds. Go get rid of them. Because this is a fallen earth and things grow where they shouldn't. They don't have control. You do. But you have to take control of it. 
So God's got his part. God doesn't pull the weeds. But the farmer cannot make the miracle of life come forth in the seed. I can't do that. God says, I will take care, of, take care of that and I will produce the sun and the rain. But God says, you've got to do your small part because your small part is critical. Our part is critical. God's part far exceeds ours, but ours is critical. Listen to me, the miracle of the harvest is far beyond the efforts of the farmer. Our part is a minute part. God's part is a huge part. But in order for God's part to work, we have to do our little part. Give us revelation today, Lord. Holy Spirit, give us revelation to see that if we will just sow a little seed, and God says it's just a mustard seed. You know how small a mustard seed is? And that's enough. God says we should look at the birds. The birds don't plant. They don't sow like the farmer. They don't reap. They don't hook up the tractor and pull the plow. They don't store the grain in the barn. They don't do any of that. But in the context of God's creation, they still get fed. The point is, you're more valuable than them. First illustration about the birds. It's important to understand this. Birds are very diligent and industrious. They don't just sit on a limb and open their beak and wait for God to drop the worm in their mouth. Now, there is a time that the mother has to do that. But there comes a time where the mother stops doing that. And they have to go get the worm. they got to learn how to go find it. He doesn't do that. So what sense does God feed the birds? The birds know how to search. They know how to peck. They know where to look. They hunt. They fly for miles to get food. The birds are hardworking. But even with all their hard work, they're still depending on God for the worm. God created the worm. God makes the worms to be where the birds need them. But the birds have to go get them. And you know something else that's amazing? God made the worm in such a way that it would provide nutrients to the bird. He made that be just enough for them to meet their complete need when it came to food. The point isn't that the birds should not work. The point is that God will do more than their effort can ever accomplish, but their effort is critical. This scripture about God providing isn't a scripture to say we don't have to go out here and work. No, it's just the opposite. The thing is, we've got to go out here and work the right way. God's given us the right way to work. God says if you work, you eat. So we've got a job to do. Let me tell you, parents, letting your kids stay in your household and giving them worms in their mouth for them for the rest of their life is wrong. God does not do that. And he has not called you to do that. He called you to teach them how to work. Teach them how to make it so that when they get tested out here, they don't fall. They don't kill themselves. They know how to get back up and run. So much so that the mama will shove the birds out of the nest and make them fly. Start making the nest prickly to where they're uncomfortable. Parents, we've got to teach our kids to 
work. Everybody say amen. 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 Matthew 26, 26. Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Verse 26 says humans, they have so much more advantage than birds do. Again, they're skillful. They can plant. They can reap. They can gather for tomorrow. We have so many more skills and advantages. And we're so much more valuable to God. You know, we don't ever die. We live forever. God says, if I will provide for the bird, and the birds are temporary, and you are eternal, shouldn't you trust me more? You have more going for you than the birds do in in terms of value and skill. Why are you nervous? God says, look at creation. I have proven that I can take care of the birds and that I take care of people. That's what he's saying. God will take care of you. The idea of trusting God for provision is not an endorsement for a lazy lifestyle. We have a participation requirement in God's process, but the return is far beyond what we could ever do on our own. Turning the seed into life is far beyond the efforts of planting and sowing. God is saying, would you please take a moment and see how great I am. You know, we sing this song, our God, our God is greater, our God is stronger. Do you really get it? Do you really get it? The second illustration, he goes from the birds to the flowers to the lilies of the field with clothing. Illustrating God's care and extravagance for providing clothing and covering. Verse 28, 628. Why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Verse 30. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today and is tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Just like the issues with the birds. Looking at clothing. The word lilies here can apply to many different types of wild, beautiful flowers. And Jesus says, notice, they don't toil, meaning they don't cultivate the field. They don't try to make themselves beautiful like the farmer does. They don't spin like the woman does with a a material that spins into fabric, into something beautiful. They don't have that ability like humans do. But yet they were clothed greater than the most richest man of his time, Solomon, was. God clothed them greater than what we can do. These flowers, Jesus say, are actually more beautiful than the clothing of Solomon, and they don't do anything themselves, but just let God make them into what they are to be. How did that happen? If God so clothes the flowers, and they're alive today, but by tomorrow in a few weeks, they become fuel. They become discarded. They become stuff that we throw into the oven to help do something else with. Won't God provide for you? Man, I know you're sitting here needing provision. I know you are. And God is saying, would you please listen to what my son Jesus said to you? Because the answer is there. I will provide for you. I will provide for you. 
but you got to do your part. You know, this prayer walk thing that uh, Dr. Rob was talking about, and it's scriptural, him saying one saying it versus five saying it is different. One can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. And there is strength in numbers. But I want to tell you that Scripture says in 2 Chronicles 7.14, it says, If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, stop doing what they're doing, if they would just turn to me and pray to me, I will hear them from heaven. And he says that he will heal our land. Now, I, I want to ask you, you planting a seed this little seed and life coming from that. You know, we can kind of see that. But do you realize that when you pray, you are sowing a seed that has to be returned? It has to be. So we want to all agree that we want our schools to change. But we don't want to sow any seed. We want to agree with the word. Now, what uh, Dr. Rob did not say is this has gone before the state of representatives and has been voted unanimously over all of Tennessee schools. Amen. It's not just some fun little thing that the church wants to go do. And y'all, I know some of you are thinking, oh man, that's another thing, rest, another prayer meeting, another blah, blah. No, this, was, this has been approved by the state to give us the right to go on the school grounds one day out of every year and pray. Now, I want you to know, um, Avery Trace's uh, principal, Jerry Boyd, the director of schools, has sent out an email saying to all the principals, you have the right principles to open that school at whatever time you want for however long you want. Now, they also have the right to not open the school. But Jerry Boyd has, because I've seen the email. I might not should have said that. Don't, don't post that to the website just yet. But it said, principles, you have this right. And it's on a day, it's on a Sunday where no school activity is going on. He then backs up Thomas Jefferson's uh, um, stance between um, church and state, how it doesn't in any way violate our Constitution, that it, is, it, that it is right for us to be able to open up the schools. Now, Mike Mills of Avery Trace is going to have Avery Trace open from 4.30 to 5.30. So we go over there at 4, we pray together, and then whoever would be willing to go, we can go inside the school and pray for an hour. Now, all good may or may not be open, I don't know. All I know is Avery Trace. I don't know if the high school is open or not. If you've got high schoolers, go out there. If it's open, go in and pray. If it's not, go outside. We don't have to get inside the building. God can get inside the building. But if my people would show up at 4 o'clock and pray for our county schools, I will move. My word says it. Now, I'm speaking. This is God speaking. My word says it, and I'm, I am bound to my word. And I will move in your schools. But do you know God will move in your finances if you'll sow? Do you know God will move in your children if you'll sow? Do you know God will move in your marriage if you'll sow? But you got to sow. If my people would. 
then I'll do everything that you can't do yourself. If my people would walk my word according to uh, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, worry is not going to even be in your vocabulary anymore. There's no need. You're looking for God to provide that worm in the ground when we go digging in the right place. We're going to find the worm. It's going to be there. The money for my kids to have clothes is going to be there because I'm doing the work. The food for my kids to be provided for for my family is going to be there. Clothes, shelter, whatever it is, my need. Why does it say God already knows my need? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Is that a command for God or is that a command for us? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, the worm will be there. You just got to trust me. The Lord's saying, you just got to trust me. He ends with, oh, you of little faith. You know another way you could say that? Oh, you of little confidence in me. When you walk according to my word, you're going to start digging for that worm and you're going to find it. Do you know why? Because God's on the hook for you. He has, he has made himself known to us as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. He has to provide. And his part is so much greater than our part. But he says, you've got to do your part. Y'all stand up with me. Let me ask you, what are you thinking? That God probably won't do it for you? Who gave you that idea? That's a lie. God is good. And he is ready to provide for you. We're so focused on ourselves that we can't see the majesty and the beauty that testifies of God's diligence. Of his consistent historic care over things that are far less important to us. Jesus is saying to you, I'm shouting at you in every area. Everywhere you look, I'm trying to catch you and say, look, I am here to provide for you. Just go look at a sunrise. God sent that sun so that what you've got planted will respond to that sun. God sent that rain that we're getting so much rain. You know, our grass is just growing like crazy. You know who's doing that? God. Satan can't do that, and man can't do that. Only God. And God wants you to have grass growing even when it's time for it to dry up. He wants your harvest to come. Will y'all pray with me? Father, in Jesus' name, we just, Lord, I just repent of worry. I just repent of getting my focus off of you and onto things. And Lord, I, I just ask, I just repent of being busy doing the things that probably I shouldn't be doing. Instead of hearing your word and hearing your spirit and knowing where to dig for that worm, you've given us instruction on how to be provided for. And Lord, I go in the directions that I want to go in and hope that you'll somehow just provide for me. Lord, you're such a good God that you want me to do things your way. But you're so gentle that you let me wander sometimes. I just ask you, Lord, for revelation to come over us today. And that we would stop spinning our own wheels like a mouse in a, in a wheel just running, going nowhere.
but that we would put our hands to the plow according to your word, that we would sow the seed that you have already provided for us. Maybe you'd say, Pastor, I have no seed. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Father, show us what that seed is and show us where to sow it. You may be here today and you may need to make that first choice of receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior. Would you do that? Just right where you sit, just pray with me and just say, Lord Jesus, I am messing everything up and I need you. I've tried every single way to live and it hasn't worked. Today I choose you. Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. I commit this day to start learning your word and to start walking according to your word. Save me, Jesus. Would you do that and mean it from your heart? Maybe you're here and you're just battling worry so much that you need prayer. I want you to know that Scripture tells us that if we pray, He answers. But we've got to pray. I want to open up this altar to prayer right now. Do you need prayer? Actually, I'm going to put that on hold for just a minute. Let's do something else. Will you all sit back down? Will the ushers come on up? Let's take communion. I think us renewing our covenant with Jesus Christ, us acknowledging the blood of Jesus. Jesus, you're the only way that we get free. You're the only way that we get free. We just acknowledge that right now. Pastor Justin.